Yes, relationships. Really, it's it's relationships because in innovation and corporate venturing, there's a lot of uncertainties, and everyone says that failure is really high. So why should anyone take a risk and be part of this movement, right? So if not for relationships, if not for doing it for each other, the best starting point is forming a team and creating a team spirit. And therefore, they're willing to keep going despite the risks, despite the challenges, despite the odds, because they want to support each other. Welcome to the Innovation Metrics Podcast, where we bring you the latest on innovation management. We provide insights on how to measure innovation, innovation accounting, and managing the uncertain process of developing new, sustainable, and profitable business models. You can find links to the main topics covered in this episode and information about the guests and hosts in the show notes, or go to our blog on innovationmetrics.co. Your host is Aaliyah Eilert. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Kamuda Supaya to the show. Kamuda has 16 years of experience driving impactful transformations to increase performance and resilience in large organizations. With a wealth of experience in business strategy, digital transformation, and innovation management, she has spearheaded successful initiatives across diverse industries. Kamuda's disruptive thinking and embracing uncertainty fuels her ability to challenge conventional norms. Komuda's latest endeavor is a collaboration with the University of Strathclyde to research how organizations are innovating to forge resilient and agile business models in today's ever-evolving landscape. To reflect on my biases and to put my questions and interactions with Komuda into context, Komuda has been a customer of mine. This is part one of our conversation. Hi, Komuda. Hi, hi, Alia. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Thank you. Let's jump right into it. Sure. Kamuda, what is innovation? Innovation is doing something differently from how you know it today. Uh, and that is how I described it to my children, actually. And they are like, you know, very young, 10 years old. Uh, and that was the easiest way for me to explain what innovation is. It's simply doing something differently from how you're doing it today. And in, I think in the corporate world, innovation is actually change. So every change that you're trying to do, to me, is innovation. So if I could elaborate a bit more. Um, I'd love to, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I think the way I usually look at innovation in the corporate setting is what change are you trying to effect? Uh Because change for the sake of change just creates, um, you know, resistance and anxieties and, and you start to think about what about me, what's going to change for me and how am I going to adapt. But uh, I found that when you tie innovation towards an outcome, uh, towards a particular goal, then it becomes a lot easier for people to see the vision and change themselves towards it. Uh, because in large organizations, uh, especially like the ones that I'm, I have been in and worked in, uh, it involves a lot of people with different needs, different personalities, different roles in the organization. And for you to go towards a particular goal then becomes a reason for you to change yourself and move towards it. So, yeah, that's, that's what 
innovation is doing. So the the types of change that could be large or small, the goal could be significant or less significant. Yes. Do you do you use more specific terminology sometimes to to say you know a a subcategory of innovation or yeah yeah most can you talk about that a bit or from your, yes sure what kind of language you prefer maybe or yeah sure and and I think in my experience of um, creating change uh, has always been either incremental change um, and uh, incremental change you know that related to processes. Uh, things that you need to change in the daily way of working and 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 that significantly you know in, enhanced performance or employee experience so that is one form of innovation that i've been involved in process uh, innovation yeah. um and that that has seen some successful outcomes from there right uh, time time was saved uh and i think when you save time it really means the person who's working on it now can do it at a shorter time um, and, and and is now freed up uh, so that person doesn't have to work too long and maybe in a department, if you have four or five people, now they can do a bit more work, uh, you know, different things maybe. So that is one type of change that uh, we have uh, looked into. Uh, another type of um, innovation that I have recently been involved in is kind of like a sustaining innovation you're trying to sustain your market position so it might involve uh, product innovation um, not too significant but it does change the way you maybe package your products uh, or you might want to replace your products uh, with an you know suitable alternative that is not too uh, complicated but you're now able to meet your customer needs um, through a, a, a different way of doing things. And this also, to me, in my experience, involves digital transformations, um, you know, uh, interacting with your customer differently uh, compared to the norm. The norm would have been pick up a phone, you know, fly over and speak to four or five different customers and then you have some insights and then you come back and improve your sales strategy. Uh, but with digital um you're able to see in real time changes that are going on in your customer, changes that are going on in your supply. And now you can, you know, create a different response on a dynamic manner. So that is sustaining uh, innovation. Uh, another type of innovation that I have also been fortunate to be involved in, because uh, I'm very curious and I, I just like to try different things, is um, disruptive innovation. And this usually involves uh, business model disruptions. Um, that uh, now offer your customer something new, uh, a new experience uh, for the same outcome. Um, you know, it, it, a better experience, of course, uh, and, and probably solves their pain points uh, very, um, you know, very decisively, actually. You have the impact really felt and, and you're now able to compete uh, with another competitor and you're not able to, you know, maybe enhance or, or widen your market share in the in the space. Maybe even enter new markets uh, using your existing technologies, uh, uh, available solutions that you have, in-house capabilities, and now you're able to now uh, get into new market spaces, offer new solutions to compete, out compete another person in the in the in the in the industry. 
So these are three types that I've been involved in. Um, and that is how I define uh, innovation a bit more specifically. <laughs> yeah, great. I think that's going to help us when we go through the podcast. We have disruptive innovation. Um, incremental innovation. Sustaining innovation. Incremental. Cool. So we have a common language. Well, then I would like you to ask you, ask you the second question. And with that in mind, how, how should you measure innovation? Uh, I love measuring. Um, and I have seen two schools of thoughts about measuring. Um, the leadership love measuring because they'd like to see certainty um, and they'd like to see progress towards that particular measure. Uh, while employees, um, you know, they, 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 ref they do not like having to adhere to a measurement because, you know, you have you either achieve it or you don't achieve it. And if you don't achieve it, there are repercussions and implications to not achieving something. So it becomes too uh, uh, it, it it is it is a bit scary for employees to get into a state where you have to measure. Um, so so I belong to the school of thought that measurement is necessary, uh, and you do need to implement measurements that answers the needs of the of the top management. And at the same time, measurements for employees should not be about policing them, but it really is to give them a goal or a target to move towards and also know what are the daily efforts that you need to put in to make sure that you are on track. And if you are not able to conduct yourself in that manner, then you know like, hey, there's something that's not working and you should actually move towards it. So um, your question was, how do you measure? Is that, is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, asking this very broad question: How should innovation be measured? Yeah, mm. right. I was, I and actually, currently, I am trying to research about that. Uh, how do you measure innovation? And I think you could divide it into two groups: uh, input metrics and also output metrics, right? And I think in, in the KPI world, they also call it leading and lagging indicators. Uh, you should have lagging indicators that very decisively say. You need, you know, if you put in this much effort and, and this is the result that you should get. So you typically, those are revenue targets. So if you're speaking about incremental uh, innovation, then it's usually time. Time that has been saved or perhaps even revenue. Actually, you could even measure revenue in incremental innovation, uh, especially if you can relate that process to a revenue outcome. So revenue, how many, how much revenue have you achieved? Uh, how many contracts have you signed? Um, how much faster did things get? Uh, how much less resources did you use? So those are all lagging indicators. Uh, in terms of input uh, indicators and you know what you are going in to measure would be, um, I guess, yeah, can't think of any right now, but. Hmm. Yeah, so okay. I, I so can't think of any for, <clears throat> that. You mean when, as as much as it relates to incremental innovation? Um, yeah, you don't really have. We don't, or you can't, or we can't identify right now lead indicators. Yeah, at the moment, I'm just think, having yeah. a moment. <laughs> no, this is this is no, this is very valuable. I think very valuable yeah. to note that. Um, you know, and and you do have a lean background. I do. Yes. So, on top of so I'm usually you know, very, yeah, I'm usually very familiar about. With, you're quite familiar with the topic, right? So, yes. 
Um, I think this is really important when we go and talk about the other other types of innovation and as you mm -hmm. know and measures that relate to it. Right. Yeah. Um, for sustaining innovation, the goal really is about keeping your your position in the market. So let's say if you are if you are having a certain market share, then that would be a lagging indicator. So in terms of input indicators, I think here for sustaining innovation would be something like, for example, if it's a number of customers that you have. So input indicators would be, you know, daily uh, interactions that you have with your customers. So you know that those are the reasons why you are still able to sustain your, your market share. Then, you know, that is what you would measure, um, you know, serving your customers, sales, those are all ways that you can measure if you're going to hit your target, which is sustaining your market share. And it's this is a bit difficult because in different circumstances, leading indicators become lagging indicators and, and it depends on where you are in the organization. As you go higher, uh, the lagging indicators are actually bigger and bigger. And it's as long as it's not in your control, then it's actually a lagging indicator. So that's how I would di distinguish between leading and lagging indicators. So that is for sustaining uh, innovation. For disruptive innovation, I think this is still a new area. Uh, uh, and most people are still, you know, linking it back to revenue targets. Uh, and I think now you also have like reduction of carbon. You know, those are some of the additional indicators that you can have as a lagging. Um, and and leading indicators are still being developed in, in, in at least from my experience uh, for disruptive uh, innovations because you don't know how how a leading indicator exactly corresponds to your liking like securing a new market right how do you know that you've put in enough effort to make sure that your customer is going to accept you and keep you know keep you there so some measures that we're using right now is, for example, um, customers that sign up. Uh, but that, that is still not an, uh, a guarantee that they're going to stay with you and that's going to give you your entry into the market. So, But that is the best that we have right now uh, in terms of measuring disruptive innovation. Right. Um, I just, uh, something else just came, no, you just said in your control. So things that are in your control. Um, I think in the beginning you 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 spoken about people and how to measure people and people don't want to be measured. I may I actually have a challenging thought around that. So mm -hmm. there is something very pleasing often, depending on the you know, on on sort of the psychologic makeup, but in general, there's something very pleasing of knowing I hit a certain KPI. Mm -hmm. So I can go like somebody said, "Well done, you made it." You know the feeling of going into your weekend with you know with that or, or knowing I've done this, like I'm yeah. safe. I've yeah, you know I've, I've performed, I've overperformed, I've outperformed. You know, those yeah. are different, maybe not different emotions, but generally speaking, I've, I've hit a certain goal. Um, and and I think where that is in someone's control, you know, that may be a welcome thing. It is, it is. And, and that's the value of leading indicators. I guess when you do not have enough leading indicators is when employees do not feel safe and do not, they do not have a certainty that they have done enough today 
in order to get towards that outcome in the future, or which is the lagging indicator. So uh, the fact that earlier I had trouble thinking up what are some leading indicators also shows that um, not enough leading indicators are being used in many organizations. And, and you know, it's not automatic for me to really uh, think about examples because we all know revenue, um, market share, uh, number of, of um, uh, contracts signed. You know, those are all easy to measure because you know it's very decisive. You get it or you don't have it. But getting to there, like number of contracts signed, right? The leading indicators that you need to have is, did I speak to five people today? Uh, every day, you know, how many of, uh, of you know, did I go out and, uh, you know, go out for conferences, uh, you know, meet new people? Did I meet 100 new people every day? So those are ways that you can, you can actually measure yourself today. And that is within the person's control. And if they could actually do that, then they would know that I've, I've done my best because, you know, it's within my control. I'm not waiting on someone else. I'm not waiting on multiple people to be also involved uh, in getting towards that uh, that big goal, revenue. Revenue involves 100 people, but perhaps going out and meeting five people on my own, that's in my control. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that's that's the stress factor here that we're, if, whether it's, if innovation teams are measured against an outcome that they can't actually control. Yeah. Equally, it may be stressful to have no measures at some point. Yeah. I think that's when we see folks learning or producing things that are not actually valuable to the organization. Yes. Often they uh, Sorry, now I'm taking this over here. Forgive me. But like... <laughs> I no, I call it being busy. Yeah, being busy. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. not really their fault, right? It's really... <clears throat> organizations having to learn how to put the right measures in place i think yeah yeah to again, and this is that, yeah, to motivate that, that goal be fair yeah yeah and and this is where um i'd like to take an example from a, a study that i've been doing with my university and uh this is about about the conflict of expectations between the top management and the employees um yeah. So the top management expects revenue targets. They, when, you, when you are presenting and, and you're proposing an innovation, uh, which usually is, is not able to commit to, an, uh, to a revenue or you know, a, an actual outcome immediately, but it is about trying uh, and making an attempt. And innovation is entirely, I think, uh, through its different iterations, it's all about leading indicators, uh, about achieving a few... Uh, your efforts towards getting to that uh, that that bigger larger outcome and often when innovation is unable to immediately commit to that that larger goal uh, it creates a bit of a miscommunication between the top management and the employees whom are actually driving innovation so um and and that uh, i would you know maybe it's too premature to be declaring that this is it can be solved through a measurement approach, but but definitely not having a clear goal, clear targets that the management knows that you know one plus one equals to the two, right? So the leading indicator is the one plus one plus one, and then you get your three, the outcome that you're looking for. Yeah, is that um, 
I'm about to jump into this paper. Maybe we should hold off there. Maybe we come back to that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we can come back to For the sake of yeah. The, um, but is that the maybe for later reference? Yeah. Um, exploring beyond the comfort zone is that the finding? Uh, right yeah, sure. Uh, it's about uh, exploring beyond the comfort zone, and uh, actually, in the paper, it's not. It's not there uh, because right. it's. I, I have my other, the larger paper, which is the the right. MBA research. So that's where it comes up actually. So maybe I'll send it to you. Send the bigger paper. Because yeah. I didn't realize that that the blockers were not uh, in, included in this paper. This is really just very progressive, what you should do kind of a paper, but didn't speak about blockers. Mm. Well, talking about blockers... Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. No, I uh, just 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 to let you know about the mismatch. It's called mismatch in expectations between top management and employees. So, uh, management is uh, so so one of the respondents said investors want one thing. So investors here refer to the top top leadership, yeah, um, because they are the ones approving resources, right? So investors want one thing, but internal uh, bosses, you know, the immediate superiors want another thing. And then between the investor and your immediate superior, it creates a bit of a conflict in, in understanding what everyone wants. And the innovator who is trying to drive an innovation is unable to focus on which lagging indicator and which is a leading, which is a lagging. Uh, uh, and, and, and then that creates burnout and uh, resource time wasted. So this is one of the things that one of the respondents in the, in the research actually uh, spoke about. Um, and another respondent yeah, actually that's a said... Very, that's a very interesting tension, actually. I've got, I've got obviously yeah. a million thoughts around that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, and, and another thing about mismatch and expectations within top management and employees is uh, the fact that in, in innovation you will be going through an iterative process. Idea development will go through in stages. So first is small, and then once you've proven it to an extent, then you will try to go bigger when you need a bit more input of, of resources, right? Um, so this going back and forth repeatedly actually is also not aligned with management expectations because uh, management typically in today's world, they are familiar with the, uh, waterfall approach you keep going and you and you're continuously proving something pivoting is uh, is not comfortable so but in innovation sometimes you need to go one direction and then you need to pivot and take another direction and sometimes you need to say uh, we need to stop so then for management you know they are investing all these resources and time the question is okay so what is the outcome here uh, failure is not an option so this is another respondent's point of view about the conflict in expectations, uh, innovation versus management's uh, need for results. So and this is an example where if we had better leading indicators about failures, about trying, um, you know, that would really foster better innovative culture in an organization. Yeah, I've got a massive bias around that. <laughs> As, right i'd love to know, hear that as you know yeah it's for me it's really the it, it's funny because i'd like you know the next question is what are the biggest blockers to innovation and now i'm 
you know, yeah, we're getting into something that. here, but I don't know. Maybe we should cut this out, but like I am. Yeah, sure, sure. For me, it's, um, yeah, the way we fund, we, we release money, the way, um, management does not, does not understand the probabilistic nature of the entire system, the way that, yeah. um, which is again, fair, you know, because it's not part of it the is. educational process and it's not part of, um, you know, the 10 year and, you know, we're coming back to these sort of things, but, yeah. um, modeling it for them appropriately that's that's my buy that's my um hypothesis of yeah. how we could come to a middle ground yeah, yeah that's right. probably the only way we can sustainably break through um granted you know how many data do you know what are the you know there are no longitudinal longitudinal studies on that because we just don't mm -hmm. have those systems in place for a long time mm -hmm. yet think it takes enough practitioners to create a movement so we haven't created that inflection point of enough users whom with sufficient credibility to be involved in you know this kind of an yeah. approach uh, when seeking yeah. uh, further investments incremental investments in fact yeah. which and, and i have to say i'm really extremely impatient about it because i feel like um the the time wasted for some organizations you know it's 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 terrific especially like if if it works like you know we're just kind of saying if math works um then then the the loss or the the, the likely the likely loss is 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 not linear mm -hmm. right the likely loss is because you haven't let's say you have a system that you know with a certain probability spits out more than you put in really to make it the most mm -hmm. simple it's really the most simple way right like sustaining the organization coming up with new business models like spitting more stuff out yeah. um, you know for your shareholders then then there is very likely an exponential that there could be an exponential function in there right if it if there's mm -hmm. the possibility for that and so you know the, the later you start this whole thing you did the possibility would be yeah. outcompeted and be, be be irrelevant the risk of that yeah. plus the upside it's people like that makes me nervous it does like, it does even though me. it's not often my organization you know <laughs> it was something yeah. like that right but like it did. yeah because we want everyone to win right uh because yeah. uh, i yeah. think i read somewhere that 40 percent of companies today are going to be uh non-existent in in, in 10 years time and yeah, that's, I don't know which one of that. Are we going to have I, another Nokia that's gone? I mean, I have fond memories yeah. of Nokia. Yeah, this is this is this is a great one. This is this is a real tangent. Funny enough, before this uh, podcast, I actually meant to look into if there are any new data or analysis on the data. And there's a very famous uh, study from Strategy End, which mm. is uh, part of PwC now. And mm -hmm. all innovation sort of consultants have been quoting it forever and ever, right? It's kind oh, of okay. like, hey, you're getting irrelevant. And, you know, so they're, they're drawing like a linear, like in, in 1930s, the, the life, um, the likelihood for, for a corporate to stay oh, within, for, for an S&P 500 to stay within that, uh, that cohort was, I think I jacked up the sentence now anyway. Like, so, so most likely you, you were, you're expected to be there for 90, for 90 years. To be in the S&P yes. 500 in the 1930s, right? And then that eroded to the lower 20s, like yeah, in, yeah. In I think that's the latest like that, right? Something like that. And then so, like you know, as you know, as as people with biases do and whatever, like you know, just like drew a straight line down. A straight line. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 of course. And but not reflecting the ongoing efforts to actually fight that. Fight that and is that like and it's and it's uh yeah, I've seen anyway, it's 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 not that straightforward. It's it serves, you know, the buyers of a consulting company. It's you know, working in corporate innovation, certainly. But um I I I would love to find someone who can really very critically think about um these kind of findings. Also, it's not cohorted. You know, how is it? What does it mean for a particular industry? What, what does it mean for another industry? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. It's I don't. It's 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 not necessarily clear to me. Um, right. You know what? What does it mean to the individual manager or management? Um, yeah. But I guess the general trend is something right. undeniable. Just you know, the fact that it takes so much less resources these days to break into yeah. at least certain industries. Um, mm-hmm. And build something that can outperform, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, why? What did end up there? Yeah, because we were we were talking about co- corporate organizations that are not going to be around in like years from now. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. I do yes. know someone who who would be able to have a clinical discussion regarding that. Yeah. We have strong opinions about it. He's a he's he's also the head of an innovation management. Um, uh, kind of a school of thought. Uh, he's done research and and so on. I'm not sure if you've heard of Innovation 360. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the head of that Magnus Banker. Yeah, kind of taken. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, that's um. Yeah, I think we need to do something around that. I think um, yeah, there needs to be an episode that looks into this and talking to academics about this. I think or. And I do find it so fascinating. And that's why I've, I've gotten into lean because I like the whole concept of probability. I find it such a challenge. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not super good at it, but I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I know what it means for the world because you're always constantly making decisions. And if I could actually overlay some kind of a mathematical equation to tell me that my decisions are probably going to be right or wrong and move forward at your own peril right so i'd like to know that i'd like to know that i'm i'm going to make a, a low probability of success decision but i'm going to do it anyway i'd like to know that so so that's why i, I really love the whole concept of what innovation accounting has been um and and i've really enjoyed it although i'm not really good at it but i, I can appreciate why it needs to be applied yeah we found a common passion there <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, with, with that being said, what what is the yeah you were blocker? asking blockers? What is, yeah. What is the biggest blocker to to innovation in, in large organizations? Oh, okay. So I could go on and on about this, right? Um, earlier I was speaking about um, uh, mismatch in understanding uh, between the top, the top management and also the innovators. Uh, most of the time, innovation is bottom up driven uh, because it, it, it's creativity from an individual and when individuals come at it come at a problem from a very different angle uh, and management are supposed to make decisions around it, it, it they struggle uh, because it's not the norm and there are they can't they can't be sure that this is going to work out or to what extent it's going to fail so it makes it very difficult for top management to give directions and guide the team. And that's their role. Their role is to advise and, and sort of correct, cost correct, and be, be the wise person who is able to give that kind of direction. 
But when it comes to innovation, they have to let go control and actually have to trust the team. And um, and being someone from a change background, I always empathize, try to empathize with both sides' pain point. So that is the first thing, which is a common language between the top management and the and the innovators. How can we bridge communication so that it creates a trusting environment and and whoever that's getting into that relationship knows that um, you need to uh, try and I'm going to try this many times and we, let's try to target for a certain amount of outcome. So if I hit that, then we'll go. If I don't hit that, I'll stop. So there is that upfront agreement that, and you know, it's like giving you a, a long piece of string and, and the management now knows I've given you a string of this long and, and as long as you're within, you know, you're going to use only this much of string and you'll come back to me if you finish the string and then let's review if you should keep going or if you should stop. So this is the first blocker. Um, and I've also spoken about a, a solution around that, that, that area, which is conflict between the management and also the innovators themselves. Because one side is giving you time, resources, and also um, money. And they're investing into your, your, your attempt. But for the innovators themselves, it's about feeling a sense of accomplishment, uh, solving a problem that I am accountable for, but I need more money, more time, a different way of doing. Uh, and I need the top management to actually back me up and trust me in this new attempt. And that is innovation. Uh, it's no longer a traditional organization anymore, right? And there's so much change happening. We do need to adapt to the pressures that are coming up coming from the outside world, the, the, the external pressures that are coming in, you need to be responsive. It can't all be on the management's shoulders to respond. Um, how can we empower more employees to, to also take accountability towards the responsiveness that the organization needs to undertake? So this is one of the, one of the biggest blockers, the miscommunication and mismatch of expectations between the top management and also the employees. Can I put a a term out there i don't know if we've used it before together or not i circle to to it so it comes back to again what's in the control of the innovator yeah so so clearly there's an expectation misalignment and things like that yeah but um it, it goes back to what's in control and what should be expected yes. so in in my terms sort of because there's a high in disruptive innovation so just to mm -hmm. also come back to that there's what um, Rita Gunther McGrath called a high assumption to knowledge ratio in, mm -hmm. in, in the you know in the in the, in the goal or in that plan right. underlying that yeah. goal. Mm -hmm. So we we don't know, we cannot know whether or not that goal can be achieved. achieved. Therefore, that type of KPI and being on track towards that is relatively useless. It's not in control of the innovator. Mm -hmm. what is in control of the innovator or should be in control of the innovator is finding more information yes. for that, right? So we call that learning, gathering insights. That is a new management challenge and prioritizing what needs to be learned. And then I stop here, otherwise we go into a deep tension there. Yeah. But there's value in, in that. If we appreciate what we spoken about earlier that not every initiative not every bet has to come true but for the sake of yes. the fact that there's a relationship between 
risk and reward. Some of them need to come true in order to pay for the rest. So now my next thesis really is, and a, a term that I'm introducing is actually um, innovation bookkeeping here. Right. I know it's a it's a very exciting term. So <laughs> for everybody that just heard it and is <laughs> excited. Innovation bookkeeping. Obvi obviously, <laughs> innovation bookkeeping sounds super exciting. Um <laughs> But but relating the what is in control of innovators, i.e. gathering information and doing so the right information at the right time and yes. for a good for the least amount of money, maximum speed, that would sort of be the equation. But unless we note that down, i.e. bookkeeping for innovation, what have we learned for what money? And unless we have the ability to audit that somehow without systematically capturing that, we have we have a most likely an issue to create a you know a a system of a measurement. culture culture. yeah, so that is uh, the term innovation bookkeeping. and I, I, I resonate. I resonate with what you've just described. Uh, and if I look back at the blockers that some of the respondents have actually mentioned uh, in my research is that innovation is about going back and forth because you are now, you're iteratively trying to figure out something different. And like you said, rightly so, it's about information. Uh, give me enough time, give me enough um, money or enough people so that I could actually look for the information but at the same time, right information at the right time. So to begin with, you want to look for information about, um, especially in innovation, uh, you want to know that there is a problem uh, or uh, there is a space for you to innovate in. So first, let's agree that this is the problem statement or this is the space that I'd like to innovate on. So then you go back to the management and you can now account to them how you've utilized whatever that they've given us and the kind of information that you've achieved uh, in order to justify moving on to the next phase. So, and, and, I, and I think what you're describing is in innovation bookkeeping, uh, it's about keeping track of the information that you're gathering and whether it is actually validating moving uh, the going in position, validating, you know, because you have to seek that approval as well from the management, right? You, you want to tell your management that I'm going to look for this problem and it's going to take you this much time or whatever, whatever the yeah. input is. And, and when you come back, there is an agreement that you've achieved it or you haven't achieved it or what, what did you find from that? So I think it would really help if, if innovators themselves, you know, um, created that space for innovation by, you know, bringing in that kind of a structured approach and, yeah. and you know, management will have, will not have any hesitation at all of keep keeping things going. Yeah, so so we see a massive resistance there from innovators. So you said that they don't like to be measured. So that, that's a big tension. And we see yes. we see these type of so it basically comes down to using report cards. So there's a there's right. a cost accounting at so they're different way. Okay, let me be more structured. So, uh -huh. so okay. No, but so I number hear one, you. number one, no, yeah. Because because this goes back to my earlier uh, pause when I was talking about lagging indicators. We're so used to Correct. Correct. we're so used to saying I will I will invest five hundred 
500 bucks and I will, I will achieve um, a million bucks. But nobody ever spoke about, I need to find 10 information. And from this 10 information, I need to know an insight before I can even go to the next step. So yeah. it's, it's quite lacking yeah. uh, in so, the so world. You know, when, when it comes to all the players, sorry. So when it comes to all the players, so you and I understand there's value to information. That's really the thing. But that needs to be understood first. That needs to be appreciated first. And that's a bigger, that's a bigger picture. Um, and then yeah. teams, when they gather this information, I, I think it's not enough for them to rein in. Like as much as I'm a fan of reining in metrics, it's probably not without that being understood. Mm-hmm. There's you know, it's it's hard for teams to create that accountability for themselves. I've I've been in for a team been, yeah, I've literally been the only one. Um, and so people run away from it screaming. It's also boring. You fill in report cards at the end of the day, right? And you do yeah. on it and stuff like that. Like, who wants to do that? Well, my thesis is that's why we need an innovation bookkeeper anyway. Um, yeah. So, and there are too few of those people around. Very few. But, you know, I, I think there is a... Anyway, let's see if that happens. But I think that's that's the interesting aspect here. And that, and that ties back to innovation accounting and and, and where we go... You know, there's a probabilistic model. You know, there's a chance of success. Now, give me more. Like now, I invest in ten projects. As you just said, I want information back for all ten of them. Your job is to find me information, and please do so as quickly and as fast as possible, so I can make better decisions. Yes. We can make more bets, and you, you know, you still have a yes. job. You know, because we yes. rain in more and more and more over the next, you know, seven yes. years. Yes. You know, we've got to. You know, this thing is funded. Um. And I'd like to speak about implications of having done exactly what you just described, right? I, I have done my bookkeeping. I'm able to explain to you, management, dear boss, um, you gave me this much rope and I've actually uh, used this much. And then this is the information that I got. And this information tells me that this is a great problem case for us to enter into. Uh, and the implications to that is if you're able to really account for all of your activities versus the outcome, uh, it creates trust. Yes. Right? It creates uh, credibility that I am efficient in my approach. I uh, I am resourceful. I may not be the best person for the job, but I, I will figure it out as I go, as I've shown you in my accounting, that I am able to actually um, uh, make decisions uh, on the go and on a, at a tactical level, if I need to pivot, if I need to persevere, I'm able to do it within that short period of time or whatever I would call it time box that you've given me. So that creates a bit of a trusting environment. And now you are able to prove that you are an uh, upstanding employee. You are accountable, you are capable, and then you're given a longer rope. You can go further you were asking me the question about blockers and this is the second area that there is a blocker and this blocker is mindset limitations in innovators themselves mm. oh yeah yeah it is about ma- managing risk versus reward everyone knows what the reward is and the reward is easy to be seen you know it's uh, maybe uh, an increment or a or some kind of a bonus or some kind of a, I don't know, a change in your job scope, you know, something bigger, something better maybe. So that is clear what the reward is. But what are the risks that you need to take in order to get that reward? 
how do you know what are the risks that you're supposed to take and not supposed to take? And because risk means there's a high risk of high chances of failure, right? Uh, sorry, my video disappeared. Are you seeing me? Yeah. 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 So um, maybe I could quote um, what one respondent said about the mindset of of, uh, of innovators. So, so that is from the, the other paper, right? Not the... Yes, it's from the other paper. So the world's changed and nobody really knows what the answer is. What we need to do is uh, we need to experiment, we need to test, and, and we need to learn. Um, but the challenge with that is in the mindset and belief of people uh, in the you know of a traditional organization, especially if they have not been used to um, measuring things in an agile manner or you know you know keeping accounting of how everyday effort towards going towards that goal. The point is to admit that I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try it out. I may get it wrong, mm-hmm. um, but. But like you said, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of tension. It's because no executive today is willing to admit, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I'm going to try it anyway. No executive is willing to do that because we all know the reward is very clearly defined. If you shall get this, if you achieve uh, a new customer, three new customers. So that's easy to measure and you know exactly how. But going in, you need to take risks. Uh, how much risk, how many times do I need to take risks, what types of risks. Nobody actually measured that. Nobody is actually letting me measure the risks that I'm taking. And I'm not being, uh, as an, and I'm representing the, the normal corporate innovator, right? There's not enough measurement of today's effort, the current risks that I'm taking, everyday risks that I'm taking. There's no measurement of it and there's no reward unless I win. You know, and, and risk means that 85% of the time you're going to fail, right? So nobody rewards you for the 85% of efforts that you've made, but only for the 15% that you are, you are successful in. So it doesn't really help uh, when, when a corporate entrepreneur is limited by the way they're doing things. And, you know, that doesn't create the, the trust with your top leadership as you, as you work. So it's, it's a bit of a mindset limitation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. thinking about examples and thinking about people and thinking about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Very good. Yeah. You want to speak to some other blockers? Um, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, uh other blockers are um for innovation, it's about the amount of um the direction of of a of a rally call in in the organization. So this is refle- referring to innovation that is top down driven. Uh, if if it's not clear what we're trying to achieve at the end of that innovative um, high, uh, you know, like a drive, then it's all hype, and and it creates a, a buzz. But if you do not have any outcome from innovation, then it it dies up. So this. This blocker then creates a bit of a less trusting environment in the organization about innovation. Like, is really innovation all that it's 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 uh, made out to be? Uh, and and also because there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of busyness, but nobody sees an outcome. Nobody sees that there is a, an achievement at the end of the day. So that that creates a blocker on really driving innovation decisively across the organization. So you, you maybe have in pockets, innovation is successful, but as a whole organization, you do not see it coming out. So these are some 
um, I would say, transformation-related blockers. The way you drive innovation transformation in the organization, it needs to show at least incrementally that you're moving towards your goal, moving towards uh, an, an, an outcome that your organization needs. Otherwise, it can just be all activity, you know, like idea hackathons. Um, you have a lot of ideas and then the ideas go nowhere at the end. Uh, and that that can create a bit of a, we call it hype, innovation theater. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. This concludes part one of the episode with Komuda. Make sure not to miss the second episode and subscribe to the Innovation Metrics podcast via your preferred platform. If you would like to connect with Komuda, you can find all details in the show notes. Lastly, please do us a favor and share this episode with someone or even a few people who might be interested. Thank you for listening and happy learning.